me and my five kids get in our little corner. We're ready for the show that's going to come by. You have five kids? I have five, yeah. Jeez. That's why I do this. Obviously, you're Catholic. Go ahead. <laughs> Welcome to the State of America Album Club. An in-depth roundtable discussion on music's most notable albums. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the State of America Album Club. I am your host, Ian Rice, and not with me is Mr. David Hudson, as usual, but I do have a great panel here. I'm actually going to turn this episode over to our good buddy, Mr. Steve Gleason, who's going to be the Master of Ceremonies this evening. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, so good to hear your voice. So I picked um, Rainbow Rising here at the Album Club because I've been obsessed with this album since I was about 15 years old. Um, you know, I first got uh, Dio's Last in Line record when it came out, and then I immediately had to digest everything he had ever done. And, you know, this, although I love a, a ton of other stuff, and I'm, if we were doing the mob rules, I'd be shitting my pants too. But I, I've been pretty much obsessed with this record, you know, since 1984, 85. So I wanted to talk about it because it has a little bit of everything. And I thought it was the one that was most accessible for everybody to listen to. So if people out there are unfamiliar with this record, it was released in May of 1976. It's engineered by a dude named Martin Birch, who you might recognize from doing a whole bunch of Sabbath records. He did a, a ton of uh, Iron Maiden records. He's like very famous in this genre. And this is a record full of first and second takes, at least according to Cozy Powell. So uh, when when Richie Blackmore, who, uh, in my opinion, I'm sure we're going to talk about this during the, the actual podcast, but I feel like Blackmore is the guy that gets left out of the greatest guitarist conversations all the time because he's such a dick. But uh, in my opinion, like, you know, top three guitar player of all time. He is ungodly good. And uh, when he was leaving the uh, Deep Purple kind of for his last time until they reunited in 85, he had taken to be on the first Rainbow record. And then eventually after he, you know, they toured, they, you know, they were kind of a regional band. Then they toured the world with Blackmore. Then he fired everyone but Dio, brought in Cozy Powell and brought in Tony Carey to play keyboards. And this is the record that came out of it. So there's a couple of things about it that people should really know. This in uh, I don't know if people you know pay attention to this stuff anymore, but this is one of the great uh, cover album. Uh, the the album art, the cover is one of the great covers of all time. Uh, this giant hand grabbing a rainbow out of the out of the water and whatnot, and it's got it's very medieval looking, but it's it's cool, you know. In the same way that when I was a kid, I'd pick up the Iron Maiden records and be like, oh my god, I, I don't know what's going on here, but I really need to listen to this. This is kind of the same deal. So this was 48th on Rolling Stone's 100th greatest uh, metal albums of all time. And I don't know, this is considered like neoclassical metal. And, uh, you know, the problem with this is all the all the guitarists that were influenced after this, like Malmsteen and all those kind of guys with the sweeping kind of pick thing. They never had the heart, soul, emotion of Richie Blackmore, in my opinion. Anyways, uh, we should get to it. And uh, we have a bunch of people here. Uh, to help us break this down. So we have Jason Jason Donches, we have uh, Jason Johantis, and we have Sean Hillman, along with, of course, Master of Ceremonies here, Anne Rice. So uh, the first tune we're going to look at is uh, Tarot Woman. 
my favorites. Starts out hot. So, Anne, what did you uh, what did you think the first time that you heard this song? I'll be honest with you. Before we we really did this, I I wasn't too familiar with Rainbow. You know, I knew I knew the first record uh, fairly well, but I'd never really heard Rising. And uh, I know Tara Woman, you were you were very big on this track and kind of recommended it to me. Uh, even though it's the first track, it's kind of like the the sampler for what the album's going to be. I I really really enjoyed this track but i it starts the enjoyment starts for me about a minute and 30 in the uh the keyboard intro throws me off a little bit it's it, for some reason that particular sound hasn't aged well for me it's but, the uh, 70s when you hear that you know what yeah. decade this record was in and it i mean it kind of that's really the only detractor for me other than that i mean when once once blackmore kicks in with the riff and and you know, things get going. I mean, it's it's fantastic, and it kind of sets the pace for the entire record. I mean, I really like this one. Donches. Yeah, all right. So <clears throat> I agree with Ian. The synth intro is a little disconcerting. So I, in full transparency, I had never listened to this record before. Um, I recognize the players that you had mentioned, Steve. I'm aware of who Dio is. Uh, I, Wait a minute. I did not. You're aware yeah. of who Dio is. I'm aware That's... of who he is, yes, but I, I have not been a connoisseur or a, a intaker of his art at all. The reality is I didn't get into rock music really full tilt until the mid-90s. Before that, I was I was kind of a rap and hip-hop guy. I got into the Smashing Pumpkins. I got into the Black Crows, fell headfirst into all the 90s sort of. You know, the grunge and all of the second, third, fourth, fifth tier versions of that, which I, I liked a lot. But I never like went back before that a lot. You know, I've listened to some Def Leppard, which you can hear some of like where some of that, the poisons, the Def Leppard, some of those obviously are like derivative versions of this. This is the source material, right? That it's, is what it sounds like. So this was a genre that I was not exposed to or, or really ready for. So when I, I hit play on this record for the first time several weeks ago and the synth intro comes in. I was really nervous about, Oh man, like what is this going to be? But then uh, Ian said like around a minute 15 to a minute 30, you get the fade in where the drums come fading in and then the rip comes in and listen, Gleason, what you said about Blackmore, I can't, you know, we'll talk more about it as we go through this record. The, the riffs on this thing from Richie Blackmore are just phenomenal. Whether you like the genre, whether you like the style of music or not, you can't deny that that dude just is amazing at riff writing, at, you know, his solo work, the way he crafts a melody. A lot of this um, reminds me, so I had to go do a little side Deep Purple tour to kind of get my head around the Richie Blackmore element. This sounds more Deep Purple than it does like Dio Sabbath type stuff. This, oh, this, clearly, can, clearly, yeah. Yeah. So, so I really, I did really like that. I'm going to be transparent. Like I love Dio's talent with the singing and he, I obviously it sounds great. The subject matter is a little, takes a little getting used to, you know, with the sort of really thematic type stuff. The power He's not writing about getting laid. Jason. No, that's no, never, yeah. that's no, not going to be <laughs> one song yeah. on this record kind of is, and we'll get into that. Yeah. And we'll talk about that, but yeah. yes. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I love the beat. I love the driving drums. I love the, the guitar riffing on this. I think the solo that comes in at 321, super tasty, really well done. 
kind of pans back and forth in your headphones and it gives you this like like this surround sound type of feel which is very good i don't like the synth solo towards the end of the song much you know i also don't like that it it fades out if you got a record that's only got six songs let's let's finish them up guys <laughs> well i like how uh i like how jason johannes is shaking his head in disapproval that Doncis is not very familiar with uh with these guys in the genre keep shaking John, Johannes, because I am in the same camp. F I minus F minus. <laughs> minus. <laughs> Who invited all these people? Steve? Full Thank disclosure. Me come in here. Full disclosure. I shared that before you gave me the Zoom uh, invite, so you guys knew what you were getting into. This um, thing works better if people have never heard the record rather yeah. than have heard it a million times. Yep, mm. and and that's you get an what, honest opinion. And that's what excites me about it, right? For uh, Steve, as, as much as it was ingrained in your young adult life, I, I never heard I never heard a rainbow. That's that's how isolated I am down here in my bunker. Have um, you ever watched Iron Eagle? That no, movie? That's no. no. Yeah. I, I, guys, I've I watched Iron Eagle. Was this in there? It's on the soundtrack. Yeah. Okay. You what sound so some... dejected, Jason. I, I, God, I don't. I honestly don't think I can carry on. Guys. Like this is... He might not make it through. I... We got good opinions, I'm sure, don't we, Sean? We're... Uh, well, I, you know, I think so. But uh, I, I was excited because I'm at the age now where I probably won't dive into new stuff unless I have incentive to do it. And and this uh, this episode was perfect for me to to force myself to listen to something new. So first time I'd ever heard a Rainbow album, first time I'd heard this album, obviously, was for this episode. And I got to say, it was it was very interesting. I had fun with the intro, whereas you guys said you didn't really like it i first of all i agree with johannes you know exactly what decade you're listening to as soon as this starts right and i'm like do do i really want to get into another steve miller alan parsons yes type you know vibe going on here i'm, I'm not sure what to make of this but that whole first minute and a half as it keeps going i'm like this this is going to be something i i could feel it i could feel something coming and uh, and it was cool. By that point, if I ever do get to live out either my dream of being in a rock band or headlining at WrestleMania, I know what my walk-up music is now. This go. intro is spot on. So I I did really enjoy it. And and Dances, I think, hit it on the head. It is easy to tell off the bat that this music informs some of the metal from the 80s. Well, metal in air quotes uh mm -hmm. the deaf leopard the poison some of the the softer brighter stuff that you hear later this is this informs that but i i really feel by the end of the album this is so much better and i'll get into that with some of the other songs but yeah i come at it from uh, a completely a new set of ears view and it was quite fun quite fun johannes what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what am i doing here who are these people first and foremost I got to know what the 47 other records are on the Rolling Stone top 100 metal albums of all time. And it probably yeah. is Def Leppard and Poison and Nelson and a bunch of bullshit. Not that I don't dislike those guys, but I clicked on that link and it's the page is taken down from Rolling Stone, probably because they got too much hate mail. So how is this 48th? OK, I am more than well aware of Dio my most of my life, Donchus. So I will th throw that out there the same time first track off the record love it it tells you exactly what we're going to get into this epic you know quest of dio and richie blackmore 
And it starts out with those great 70s synths that a lot of 70s songs hand had on them when you listen to it. A pair of bell-bottom jeans automatically appear on your lower half. I have no idea that happens, but boom, you're wearing bell-bottoms. I love when the drums and the, and the keys are playing off each other at the beginning. That is a really cool dynamic. That's one of my favorite parts of the song, actually. They, they, those two go really, really well together. Thematically, though, like Tara Woman, I, we know that Ronnie James Dio, or maybe you guys don't after hearing some of these comments, his grandma, the devil horns thing, was was came from his grandmother who always told him the gypsies and stuff where he didn't get him. So I take this song as back to some of the, the things that he had with his mom and grandma about gypsies and, you know, all the other kind of crazy occult stuff that he probably heard growing up. And it's it's a good theme. And it's definitely a great theme for a heavy metal, 70s heavy metal kind of uh, fantasy inspired record. But I like it, man. I, I, I like it. I like the keys. I like the key solo. And I don't mind that it fades out either. All right. So uh, for me, this is like perhaps my favorite, right? I, I feel like it's a, a huge, great start to the record. It's is it somewhat bombastic in its long-winded start in? I'm not saying it isn't, but we all love Gone, and that takes a minute and a half to get going. It's fantastic, but it's the same idea, right? So uh, for me, Like or Hate carries uh, organ synth solo at the beginning. The musicianship on it is like off the charts. Out. Amazing. Uh, just yeah. off the charts. So I'd like to say to Donchus's quote or, or his idea here about it informing like Def Le- I had never thought about that at all because I feel like this isn't this isn't a, a, a pop record at all. Like at all. I feel like it's it's very. This is a more metal church armored yeah, saint or something. It's, it's yeah. So, but look, everyone comes at it from a different angle. I find it interesting that you thought that. I love the opening riff. It centers the entire thing rhythmically. It's just, it hammers in really, really, really strong Dio vocal. Like, look, let's get on the table. As much as I ship my pants over Mark Ford, that's coming this whole time. Okay. <laughs> Nobody's better than Dio. I love the harmonic melody between yes. him and the guitar on I'll Never Return, How Do You Know? And the guitar follows him up and down that line. Cozy Powell is so good on this record. He's the driving force throughout. Here's As a bass player, this is not a good bass record or a memorable bass record. He does, Jimmy Bain does everything, and he was in Dio's band after him. There's a lot of things he does that I like, but there's like really nothing memorable as far as the bass in this entire record. Is, do you think, Steve, they ask him to lay back, though, and not do anything too flashy? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, think about who's in the band. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it makes you got sense. Blackmore, you've got this incredible, incredible uh, organ synth player. And you have Dio and you got Cozy Powell. What's your choice? Your choice is to lay back and just sit on it, which he does the whole record, which, you know, it is what it is. But like this, you know, Dio's ability to like, you know, ride the carousel and his like the grit in his voice cast a magic spell. Like who in rock has this kind of power and grit in their voice, you know, and then the next note is as clean as it could possibly be. Nobody else. In my opinion, look, the greatest voice in the history of popular music, in my opinion, with the possible exception of Whitney Houston. Okay. Whitney Houston's off the charts fucking good. But we're talking about two different kind of things, like a soprano and a tenor. But there's nobody I don't, you can Freddie Mercury me all day. I can find you all kinds of live clips of Freddie Mercury choking on notes. I defy anybody in the audience to find me one of Dio 
singing a bad note. Find it and send it to me. It doesn't exist. It just doesn't. Here's a guy who never hit a bum note in his life. He has as much range, as much power, as much melody, his clean tones, his descending runs. Everything about this guy is like otherworldly good. He also didn't warm up. His warm up was he drank a beer and smoked half a joint and walked on stage. He's an absolute freak from another planet, like nobody like him in music. I would so, agree with that, uh, Steve, because yeah. when I was reading a little bit about this record, uh, they said most of the most of the tracks on it are first and second takes. One take, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Blackmore's melody in this solo, his 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 solo work is like on this record, yeah, just amazing. Just absolutely. Who sounds like him? Nobody. It's, Nobody. it's very tasty and appropriate. Like he's well, not shredding just like, to shred. His, him echoing the song's melody line yeah. in the solo is beautiful. I mean, he's a genius. Nobody plays like Blackmore. In my in my opinion, he's like Jeff Beck. He's one of one. Nobody, there's no Richie Blackmore out there, you know? And I, I, I kind of disagree with Jason uh, Donchus on this. I like the... Tony Carey outro solo. I can see somebody not liking that. It's kind of, but I, I like kind of where it's getting carried out. We don't hear the end. There's so many fade outs on this. Yeah. And if you, if you do a little uh, research, they didn't play a lot of these songs live, especially this one. Uh, Rainbow never played this live. I've seen Dio do it live a couple hmm. of different times. And of course, completely shit my pants over it. But uh, uh, I'm a big fan of this song. So <laughs> that brings us next to uh, Run With The Wolf. Mr. Hillman, what did you uh, think about Run with the Wolf? Well, I, I feel like they faded out Tarot Woman uh, because they knew they were going to let you down a little bit. Uh, honestly, I, I think it was hard to follow that as an opener, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was worrying when this started. I was about 30 seconds in and I had wondered if the album had already peaked. So I, I could see the, the great thing about Run with the Wolf is once I got over that, I could easily see this being in a uh, 70s or 80s movie montage a la Getting Stronger from Rocky. Like it's just got that that montage feel to it. So I enjoyed that as I, I imagined some sort of um, 
<laughs> some sort of sequence of film, right? Of a guy training or or somebody overcoming some adversity. So uh, besides that, as far as the musicianship, I, I this is where like, you know, if you're not familiar with the band or this album, like I was, you know that this musicianship is legit. This was very nice guitar work. I thought that the lead and the rhythm played well off of each other, especially towards the end. And I just, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed, I thought it finished stronger than it started. I was a little worried when we got going, but yeah, overall it was a good, good second take. JD, Jason Donches, what you got? Can we get some more epic storytelling? We referenced the old ones and uh, we're telling the story of, of something that's going on. There's evil ones passing by. The best part of the song happens 30 seconds in which is when you start with the little, uh, the, the groove kicks in and you got a nice repeating little dun, 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 and Dio's singing over it. And he says, There's an unholy light. <laughs> and it's just like, holy cow. That's what I imagine when you're going, no one else can do that. I'm guessing like, that's what that is, you know? And I have, I had never really heard that. So that transition from this is just sort of little monotone groove kind of vocal into this big bombastic vocal out of nowhere. And then right back into the melody of the song. That was pretty impressive. I don't necessarily like the subject matter. I'm still getting used to this sort of medieval, like Game of Thrones style storytelling <laughs> to a badass groove, <laughs> which is just different for me. It's not bad. It's just different. I'm not used to it. You want the, the sex and drugs. Phenomenal. You want the sex and drugs, yeah, not the well, not the fantasy I imagery. Miss, yeah, I mean, I don't just know. just imagine a, a standard-clad <laughs> Valkyrie riding on the back of a dragon or winged serpent somewhere. Don't just come yeah, out. you know. Well, here I, I imagine like him like in a house, and you know, and so here's here's the thing. Like as I listened to this, whatever it was, fifty times, the visuals that come like they could make a movie. Yes. Where yes. this record just plays and you, you have visuals that go like the, the visuals that pop in your head. When we get, you know, we're going to quest. Get some of them. It's a quest. Yeah. Um, but it's like you're holed up in a house and you're watching out the window and you're seeing these evil ones pass by. And anyway, so I got to get used to the subject matter, matter, but the music is, is amazing. I love the groove. I love the riffs over it. I, like I said, that vocal part that I just referenced, it's, it just I've never heard anything like that before. Um, the solo is probably not the the best on the record, but it's good. It's tasty, and it does fade out again. So I, I'm already two songs in. It's sort of like, come on, guys, you got six songs on this thing. You're two fades in a row. I'm a little irritated with that at this point. But other than that, I, I like I find myself kind of humming along with the groove to this pretty regularly. Well, it's a really fair critique. The uh, you know. The fade outs with six songs, I 100%. If you do like the imagery and you like that kind of thing, I, I really can't suggest, you know, the mob rules for you enough. You should really listen to that record. Heaven and hell, really, too. Really, all of his stuff. If you like the the imagery that goes along with it, Holy Diver and The Last in Line, all these records have that sort of feel. Oh, Heaven and Hell is amazing. They all have that kind of feel. But I think, you know, when I was... Um, looking at this and kind of analyzing it, Jason, in the same sense, if you think about it's, I think it's just more the time period, because if you think about something like Fair Warning from Van Halen, one of my favorite records, it's, it's 29 minutes or whatever it is, 33 minutes with like, 
you know, seven songs mm-hmm. and it's like, and some of them are fade outs in the same sense. And it's like, I don't, I, you know, every record wasn't physical graffiti, I guess. I'm not, I'm not sure if they saved money in the studio or <laughs> what it was, but, and this is a band that very clearly can jam. Yeah. Uh, and what did you, what did you have to say about this? Or what did you think about this? I should say. I, uh, I enjoyed this song to me. This is kind of where the record hits its stride for me. Like where I, I, as much as I enjoyed uh, Tarot Woman, this is kind of where uh, to to me this has more of a, a, a swing to it, and it also is a little bit more that that Blackmore purple kind of thing where, you know, he's to me. If you mentioned Richie Blackmore to me, the 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 trademark thing that he came up with, I assume he came up with, is the way his guitar mirrors the keys all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like this one two the punch. melody line. Yeah. That goes the melody line of the song. I can't but, think of anybody that was doing that before. Yeah. And they work in tandem and it's like a, yeah. a unique sound. And he kind of carried that over to Rainbow a little bit. So I, I and I like that here. I can speak to what uh Jason Donches was talking about with regards to Def Leppard, the influence. It, it's more so the first and second Def Leppard record. The way that they're recorded is kind of similar oh, okay. to the way this is recorded, where it's just a, it's a it's like a recording style you don't really hear anymore but it's it this this record is captured so well like it it, it captures each individual musician perfectly and melds them together nicely and uh i th- think this song is a is a prime example of that here's where I, here's where i like one the, the this is the only song with the lyrics i'm not 100% sure what we're what what's going on in the story i think there's a reference to a blimp in it at some point or a balloon and like how timely with everything else that's going on but i'm like balloons. where does running with the wolf in a blimp or a balloon come in come into play but as timely I, I, as today's headlines it's timely today it does start off a little slow like Sean said but it really gets into it I do like the slide work on here. You don't, you didn't have a lot of metal albums with slide work and that's really good. And it fits in great and gives it that little bit of that, that bluesy feel. I get a little bit of a vocal run at the very end of the song as like a precursor to Holy Diver. He hit some of the same phrasing in Holy yeah. Diver and that caught my attention. I said, that is cool as shit. And that's at the end of the song. So if you guys are capturing something, try to do that in the slide. chorus i you know i this one i think it's got a good hooky chorus to it but it takes a while to get into it and, and then it's not just you know it's it's a nice nicely laid out uh song kind of with a little bit of time changes and everything else in there so i like it i think it's good uh, i just couldn't figure out lyrically where does it fit in with our quest we start out with the the gypsy woman the tarot reader she tells our hero hero he's got to go on this quest and all of a sudden we're running with a wolf in a blimp or a balloon somewhere can you guys tell me how, uh, you know, we talked about how this album might inf- might have informed music after it, but uh, what was this band's relationship or influence from Led Zeppelin? Because you're talking about conceptual albums and, and medieval themes, right? So think, uh, I don't know, think what was on, on four. And we've got orchestration later on, which shows up in physical graffiti and talking about how a guitar uh, mirrors uh, vocal melody. That's got Jimmy Page written all over, aside from the blues and the slide guitar work. So I just I I felt Led Zeppelin a little bit as an influence in this, but I don't know what the band's relationship or or how informed they were by that, or if that was just my imagination. 
I don't really think uh, personally that that's the case. I think that um, I've never confused personally Deep Purple and um, Led Zeppelin. I felt like they were two totally different entities, right? I think the 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 medieval kind of theme is all Ronnie Dio. That's just mm-hmm. who he's been his entire life. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? I don't think I don't think it's. Uh, Kind of with the mysticism of Led Zeppelin, I think maybe there that's a happy coincidence. I don't, but I don't think there's uh, correlation and causation there at all. I don't, I don't think that's a. The seventies was a lot about fantasy and music and fiction, you know, and media right. was very. Dio famously is a big reader, you know, so I think a lot of that would would influence him definitely. In the same way, look, I mean, Sabbath gets their name from a Boris Karloff movie. Yep. You yep. know. But I don't think they're influenced by it either. I would say if you want to hear an influence, though, the influence in the keyboard part in the first verse is very clearly Deep Purple. This is the tune that I'm like, okay, well, this is this is really a purple. This is a purple tune. You know, I uh, it's a Lord ripoff in my mind. uh, What's happening with the keys here? I don't think I'm just going to accuse Oasis of ripping somebody off. This is clearly a Deep Purple ripoff. (laughs) Dio's vocal in the pre-chorus, in my opinion, just great. But I'm not sure I love the riff of the song. You know, I like the descending riff at the start of the pre-chorus. And I think Blackmore's solo, I agree with uh, Jason uh, Johantas, great, great, beautiful phrasing, especially when it launches back into the into that bridge part. My outro is the favorite, my favorite part of the tune, that that Blackmore staccato thing that's going on and Dio's vocal. Just, Did you just catch cute. a little bit of of uh, Holy Diver though? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. like a little. Like I was like, oh shit, that's that's where they got Holy Diver from. That it little kind of phrasing. phrasing. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's. I wouldn't say this is my favorite song in the record. It's really not. It's not the one that attracts me. But listening to it again, I usually skipped it. To be honest, uh, a lot of times listening to this record, you hear it a couple times. There's no. I mean, you don't need to hear it again yeah. necessarily, right? Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, there's a whole bunch of sustain and a bunch of the the Blackmore guitar parts that I like. But I mean, I I like Richie Blackmore a ton. Yeah, I'm just always shocked here in the slide part. You know, like oh, hey, yeah, me too, me too. Because there's not a lot of slide and no in heavy metal '70s music. No, not at that point. But I feel like this is on the verge of heavy metal, but it isn't. But it is. You know, I think it's like it. You know, is Deep Purple heavy metal? No. They get lumped uh, in there, but it's hard. I blues. don't know. Mm. Anyways, um, so that leads us into the next song, like one of my favorite songs, uh, Starstruck. Let's go to uh, Johantas here. 
All right. So this one, lyrically, I know what's going on here. We got a groupie or a stalker following following Dio around and why the band finds it to be funny. Dio does not find it to be quite as entertaining. I think it's got some nice guitar riffs with the chorus, a nice hook with the chorus. I got a little bit of a queen energy on this song, though. I get a little bit, little bit of queen, 70s queen going on here, which isn't a bad thing. That's kind of it. That's really it for me. It's a good song, good hooks. I follow what's going on lyrically on there, and I think it's a nice, compact uh, song. Uh, okay, Donchus, what do you got? This is more up my alley. <laughs> uh, love the little arpeggiated little guitar lick intro. That's very cool. I, I don't know a dang thing about playing it, but I pretend, <laughs> you know, air guitar. Love it. Uh, goes into like a shuffle. I can really get behind that. I, I groove to it. The, the chorus is simple, but it's repetitive and it's really hooky. So it's one of those earworms that gets in your head. I find myself walking around the house. Lady stars truck. There's nothing but bad luck. Uh, the but don't you get like a this, queen, Jason? Don't you get like a little bit of queen energy on that? A little bit of like that. I mean, to me, it was almost like ZZ Top. Okay. In a way, Interesting. you know, like just had a little bit of just different soul to it with the, like it just it was like a 180 from the previous two songs, you know, and, and I was like, oh, hey, I like this. This was the first song that I like download add to playlist. And speaking of slide, the solo, um, you know, you get a 30, 40 second plus solo that just rips on this mm-hmm. love it i mean it just grooves comes to an actual end yeah this this to me was immediately add into my regular everyday playlist songs here i I continue to listen to this constantly is a phenomenal song loved it i can i can smell the song i'm this is budweiser and marlboro cigarettes and the oil rag from working on your car in the driveway i it's just like a soundtrack to the summer of the 70s i don't know if that's just me and and my feeling that i was born at the wrong time listen i johannes you're asking about uh influence or or somebody who's asked about influence i can hear queen in this yeah. uh you know freddie mercury was a great storyteller think about songs like fat bottom girls or tie your mother down this is that same storytelling element to it and man these guys both could weave a tale uh with these lyrics i was glad for this song run with the wolf was not my favorite so i think this was a bit of a relief to calm any worries that i had about the album kind of on the decline and and again i cannot say enough about the musicianship of this band and i know that you know this being the first time i've ever heard the band or the album i i hope that's appreciated but uh uh, they play well off of each other i didn't realize and you guys correct me if i'm wrong this was the only single from this album is that right i that's right man i don't know i thought tara woman would have been a great single or or uh, too long too long or stargate i don't know i I was surprised i was surprised but that's what al gore's internet told me so i'm gonna (laughs) go with it uh but i i did i did like it and i i do see elements of of the storytelling in here so it was very interesting a a good song and brought me brought me a little bit more hope how the rest of the album would go i think it made sense that this was a single because just like even jason doncha said it's very accessible for non-fan or non non non-familiar with it like you pop right in you're like yep 
good hooky chorus. I got it. Like, let's rock. Yeah. And anytime, you know, let's tell a story about stalkers and, yeah. and women and, you know, the danger. The, of course, that's going to be the release. So I wrote a story about a stalker. It's on our yeah. second record. It's called You're Around because this girl was always around every time I turned around. Okay. Somebody who's clearly influenced by this song. Let's, <laughs> let's head over to Ian. What do you got? Well, I mean, you know, um, everybody's touched upon a lot of the points I I had to make about the track, but I, I stole your notes. That's all right, man. You know, it's okay. I, I can, I can cope with that, but uh, no, this definitely makes sense to me. I didn't know that this was the single. I missed that, but it makes sense that it is. Cause to, for me, this is the first one that has some kind of like hook to the chorus where, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, could, you could hear it on, on rock radio or something like that. Not that rock radio plays anything as interesting as this anymore, but this is also to me, it's a complete 180 from the subject matter of the first two tracks. I mean, you get a little, but I don't say this in a derogatory way, but like a lot of Dio stuff to me, very Dungeons and Dragons y, you know what I mean? Like it's very, it's got that very, mystic- very LARPy. Yeah, it's got that medieval why? mystical Cause, vibe to it. Because it is. Well, now, yeah. Full disclosure, <laughs> I, I teach a class in myth. So, you know, there we go. Well, that's going to do. For I love me, this kind of stuff. Like that, that is one of the hardest things to make this stuff accessible for me is is i sometimes i can't get past the lyrical imagery because i just don't connect with a lot of that kind of stuff not just here but in general so this kind of thing that lyrically is a little more different is a little more accessible for me personally so that's why i happen to like this song a lot and it's just it's really hooky yeah personally like i love the the syncopated beginning right into the solo i'm i'm a total sucker for this tune you know, groupies, baby. Who doesn't like groupies? <laughs> well, I know who doesn't like them. Ronnie Dio doesn't like them. Although what's interesting about this is Dio is famous, and I mean famous, for standing outside and signing everybody's autograph. And on record is saying he learned how to do it by watching how shitty Blackmore was to his fans. Mm. So I think he's writing this from the perspective of Blackmore, to be honest, because uh, Dio's kind of famous for liking everybody. I went and saw him one time and a guy was staying in the front row while he was singing, holding up a magic marker in a magazine. And he actually, in the middle of singing it, signed it for him and gave it to him. I'm not kidding, which is kind of crazy, really. But I saw that guy do that. Anyways, uh, I think the uh, melodic uh, vocal in this is 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 just so good, right? The delay on hook, 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 you know, love it. That I I could fly to the moon yeah, like just listen to that voice. Who sounds like this? She seems to believe that I never can refuse a call. She wants a souvenir to everyone it's clear. She is fucked. One lock. She wants a photograph. Nobody has that kind of that oh just in that in that range, you know. Uh and this might be Blackmore's coolest solo on the record. He's so insanely good in all the ways mark ford is great in the black crows and that kind of vibe in this kind of music it's really really hard to touch a guy like blackmore the uh the yaz going into the different parts of the song that dio connects through those long legato held out notes are just delish i mean his pitch is like You know, the double time shift into the syncopated ending of this tune, fantastic. Just just a Hall of Fame tune in my mind. I, I love Starstruck. So that actually winds us into uh, a tune that's very, 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 very much unlike Dio, 
Do you close your eyes? Ian, what did you think of this song? I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. Very uncharacteristic of his subject matter and uh, almost is out of left field in this. I kind of like the tune, though. I, 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 It's catchy to me in a way. It's it's almost the, the other track on this that, that uh, has some universal accessibility to it. And I really like the way Dio delivers his vocals on this, you know, as, as borderline kind of maybe cheesy, you could go with this type of subject matter and these lyrics he kind of keeps it going on the on the straight and narrow as they say and um i, know, I enjoyed this song a lot all right uh johantas what do you got so I, i'm with ian it's definitely a little bit like the subject matter out of left field but it, it but when i bring to the table we're talking through this epic quest and there are lyrics there about rich people poor people uh close their eyes i'm thinking that the hero of this journey found his princess you know he's kind of and this is and this is like his his ode his love ode to her um i get a little bit of a pre-iron maiden like gallopy chorus style that you know that, that's something the iron maiden definitely took and perfected at the same time and um i i mean it, it's a it's a good track i'm making the lyrics work for the story in my mind so it's not some cheesy love song and i like the pre-iron maiden gallopy uh, beats beats of the song um, and then, you know, Night Ranger also covered this with one of their hits in the 80s. Oh, no, that's that's when you close your eyes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like that one, too. <laughs> From the, bun- <laughs> then the, the bunker answer. at NORAD, we got Sean Hillman. <laughs> Make sure you get that balloon, Sean. I got it. I'm on it, guys. I'm tracking it just now. Uh, this one was uh, a little bit rough for me. I got to tell you, Jason, you just said you were trying to make the lyrics work for you. They didn't work for me. This was like this was to me was was the record company coming to them saying hey we need more songs about sex like just you know we need a panty dropper in there guys we got to sell tickets <laughs> he to found shows. his princess on the quest that's his princess <laughs> yeah i i guess i approached it a little more simple than that uh as i do with most things so this one uh this one was a little rough for me uh, we were talking about influences earlier right and uh johannes you just mentioned it about uh iron maiden i mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised one bit if you told me that Dio was a big influence for D Snyder and just the way that he sings and tells a story through vocals and, and kind of lays it all out there. So even on a bad song, I felt like he, he kind of laid it out there and, and did I, the lyrics didn't work for me. This one, um, I, I won't be sad if I don't have to hear this song again. So 
Do you know Iron that Maiden uh, and uh, Twisted Sister are noted panty droppers, Sean? That, I yes, I, so <laughs> I've heard that or not. I noted panty droppers. Twisted Sister is a lot more so than Iron Maiden because that is an anti-female band if I've ever seen one. It's right. funny because uh, when when Steve and I were putting together the names for who to be on the show, I said, "Well, we need a real panty dropper," and that's how Sean Hillman got on. Yeah, well, so it's ironic, you know. You know it's, uh... That was that used to be his nickname in high school. I heard. <laughs> right, right. Well, when you did mention D. Snyder who by the way another guy and bruce dickinson unbelievably good voices on those guys mm-hmm. can't fuck yeah. with them on as far as like their their vocal talent off the yeah. charts okay so <clears throat> i agree with everything that everyone said so far I, my notes right here said this is the 80s glam origination <laughs> song right yeah. this is this is where like all the guys from your poisons and your deaf leopards and so forth are like, could we do a whole album of derivative <laughs> versions of Don't Close Your Eyes by Rainbow? Thank you. The, can uh, we, can the we guitar- stop? Can we stop saying Deaf Leopard and Poison so close together all the time? I'm sorry, maybe I'm being unfair to Deaf Leopard, but Poison's right there. Richie Cotson, Poison, and Deaf Leopard. Okay, all right, that's poison. better. Better. Well, I'll say this yeah. though: the Poison never played guitar like this at all. I, I no, I know this is this isn't this is for me the worst song in the record. Yeah, well, it's the sound of it, right? Like it doesn't fit the the yeah. you know Richie's guitar tone is completely different on this track than any of the other tracks. It's really fuzzy and bright, and in the in the riff and the groove are not terrible. And in if you were to take this song off of this context of a record and put it on its own thing with similar things it's probably pretty good um if you were to throw it on a you know this this record came out in the mid 70s but if i were to throw this on an 80s playlist it would fit right in there but you know the fact that it came out a good decade or at least seven or eight years before people were doing this intentionally like you right. can see, they had to have heard this and thought we could we could make an entire genre of music out of this sound. Yep. is is what it sounds like to me. Right. And so with that being said, like musically, it, it's just out of whack to me. I think in the pre-chorus, Dio's vocals are way too much for what's musically happening. But then when you get to the chorus, it's not enough. Like it's too simple, and I feel like the the drum sound is odd on here. Like it's very up front and it, it it doesn't sound as recorded right for an um up tempo rocker it's it's great but it's just it's so weirdly out of context the lyrics kind of ruin it i think the music's fine but the lyrics kind of yeah do you right. think yeah. they had do you think they had a good like song and just didn't have words and then just had to could plug be. words in because i agree it could be to, to Jason's point, this does not sound like anything else in the record. This sounds more like, if you're familiar with the rest of Rainbow's uh, catalog, this sounds more like something like um, Power, if you know that song, uh, Straight Between the Eyes. It's kind of, the riff is kind of a little bit the same. I actually like the riff, don't like the chorus. Uh, kind of disagree with Jason on the, the last, you know, uh, when you're making love, that last love Dio holds out. Oh, oh, oh boy. Oh boy, listen to that again, please. Uh, at the end of the first chorus, absolutely awesome. But like everyone else, I feel like this is a completely frivolous song that doesn't belong Cheese in this ball, record. Lyrics. Lyrics. Cheese ball. Let me yeah, ask a question on this one because, yeah. from what I understand, the the uh, one of the points of contention between Dio and Richie Blackmore was that Richie Blackmore wanted to push Rainbow into a more commercial direction. 
Uh, oh, Richie wrote since you've been gone. Exactly. So Ronnie do you think that this was like, was like, well, no, 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 no. If, if when, if you, the, the album after this long live rock and roll, I almost picked. It's just as good as this record. Yeah. By the way, if you like this record, listen to that record. Cause that record's amazing. The gates of Babylon and LA connection and, and long live rock. It's so good. Kill the King. But he heard that song and was like, I don't want to go in that direction. And then, you know, quit the band. He quit. That's what I'm he dude. was not fired. He quit. You think this was he more of a, a Blackmore push on this track to have it on the album, something like this? I maybe. I mean, I you know, that's obviously we're assuming that, but yeah, obviously there's <laughs> there's an assumption there. Um, but I do feel that this is by far the most frivolous song in the record. And like everyone else said, I don't think it belongs at all with what's next. So let's get to that. This is really the reason I picked this this record. Because I have been obsessed with this song since I was 15 years old, the first time I heard it. I think it's as epic as they come. Let's talk about Stargazer, people. All right, let's let's kick it off with, with Jason Donches, who's who's alluded to this on text at least 20 times, which I'm excited about. Because as far as these album clubs, we haven't agreed on anything ever. So I think no. here might be the I think this might be the time. Don't let them down now. Yeah, we'll don't see. fuck me. Okay, so admittedly, I've mentioned the subject matter of this record and and uh, Dio and his storytelling. I I was not familiar with. I I also mentioned that as you listen to this repeatedly, you start to get a visual. You start to put together your own mental imagery of what is happening in each song as you hear it, and. This song is obviously the epitome of that. And as I listened to the song over and over, I just started having this visual picture come to my mind. And every, every time the song starts, I'm automatically at Disney World. And I'm at Disney World and we're walking down, my family and I were walking down the, the aisle, uh, the little road or whatever through the park. And then Don't You Close Your Eyes comes to an end. And I just picture like all the little, volunteers come out with their little name tags and they're, they're kind of ushering everybody out of the road, but it got the road. Here comes the parade. You know, you have to go to your little spot that you've staked out. So we go to our little corner where I've got my blanket out. So my, me and my five kids get in our little corner. We're ready for the show. That's going to come by you have five kids at five. Yeah. Jeez. That's why I do this. Obviously you're Catholic. Go ahead. <laughs> you can afford to take five kids to Disney. Jesus, we've staked this spot out. Of course, this, this lady comes up next to us and, and she's got one kid, but she's got a stroller the size of a Cadillac and she's got to take up half my space. And so I'm a pissed off, like get in your own space, lady. And then the, the little volunteers come and they put the little rope in front of you. You know, you got to stay behind the rope to make sure you're safe. So all the liabilities covered when obtrusive stroller ladies, kids runs out and gets run over by a float. They don't get sued because they had a little rope up. But anyway, we're, we're there. We've got a little rope. We're on our blanket. And here comes the parade. First float's coming along. And it's Cozy Powell. He's up on the float. And he's got the intro drum filled. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be an awesome show. Richie up there. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. I like this. Okay, next float comes along about 23 seconds in. It's Dio. I knew no one sell my soul for 
Dio starts to sing, but wait, is Dio a broom? This broom is singing with the voice of Dio. He's telling the story. They've been nine years. What have they been doing for nine years? They've been in the sun. There's been whips and chains. He sees the wizard. Mickey from The Sorcerer's Apprentice. He's got the hat on. He's the wizard. If you remember from the original Sorcerer's Apprentice, there was a wizard. He was doing some stuff over the pot. There was a bat. There was a butterfly. Mickey saw this. He's amazed. He's like, maybe I could fly. And he failed pretty miserably at getting those brooms to fill up his water. He's like, you know what? I got a new idea. I'm going to make them build me a tower so I can fly. So here comes the next float. Sure enough, there's Mickey in his freaking Sorcerer's Apprentice hat. And he's got all the brooms now, but instead of carrying buckets of water, they're carrying stones. And they're building this tower. But some of them aren't moving fast enough, so he's kicking their ass. whipping them and some of the brooms don't make it so he tosses them off the side of the float nine years they've been building this stone tower but they believe they believe that mickey wizard can fly tension's building we get the little orchestral element in the keys the guitar riff it is echoing the key riff it's building some tension deal kind of ends with this like we have like a full minute of richie blackmore shredding the higher the pitch as the solo goes on the pitch gets higher and higher it makes you feel like this thing's getting super tall next Float comes along, the solo breaks down, we get back into the groove, it's time. Mickey is going to fly. This is what we're all here for, except he gets to the top and he falls. He's falling instead of flying. And then he hits the ground. The next float comes along and runs his ass over. And everybody's freaking out. And now there's like a full ass orchestra going. Is like, why did we spend nine years? How many people had to die for his dumbass to just fall and die? Meanwhile, this other group is over here going, Yes, three, I see a rainbow rising, and they're out of here. Meanwhile, the crowd is like, What the hell just happened? They've just seen Mickey, he's dead. The float ran his ass over. My eyes are bleeding. Except for the guy eight minutes down the line who's driving the parade doesn't know that Mickey just fell his ass off and died, so he just keeps driving. And so we're standing here in this chaos and it just fades away down the street. But we're all left here going, what was that? I got two things to say real fast. One, yeah, yeah. recreational marijuana is legal in Michigan. Right, clearly. And two, this is an eight and a half minute song. And Jason actually went longer describing this than the actual song. <laughs> right. We timed it. Right.
I mean, all, all right. I, all so, I really uh, had for this one was, hey, it's the one where they save Rainbow Rising in it. Isn't that cool? You know, I, that's right. all I got else to add after Jason there. <laughs> yeah, how do you follow that? <laughs> you don't. Well, I, I know how to. I know how to follow it. So. Look, let's start talking about <laughs> Cozy Powell's. Let's talk about the music for a minute. Uh, Cozy Powell's drums on the way in, uh, because while that was fun and frivolous and all that, uh, this song is is 100% serious and epic. And like for a 15-year-old kid who loved like fucking Don Coscarelli's Phantasm and fucking Dawn of the yes. Dead and yes. that kind of thing, this song falls right into that for me in this sort of epic uh, sword and sorcery, Lord of the Rings kind of way, but not in a frivolous way. Powell's drums on the way in, that that offbeat syncopation on the hi hat. Fantastic, awesome, the epic riff. Every single thing about this song yes. is epic. Yes. The flange on the drums into the into the pre-chorus. When do we leave? Dio's note on "I believe" on the way in is as good as it gets. I implore you to go on YouTube and watch multiple vocal coaches shit their pants over this vocal. And by the way, with good reason. This is maybe the greatest vocal ever, ever recorded in a in a big, huge, popular rock song. It's 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 in the conversation. I don't care what song you mentioned with it. It's in the conversation. Dio is off the fucking chain on this. It's not even right how good he is with whips and chains. Right. The vocal on where do we go that his vibrato on the way in is all the way up is just insane and then that descending rundown and remember this is a one take without overdubs it's unbelievable it's for goddamn ridiculous as good as it gets right i don't know how many times we're going to see a song where we're singing the song from the from the point of view of a slave really really kind of interesting the arabian scale on the solo that that uh, blackmore's using Blackmore's solo on this. Who else could build a solo like this? Jason's right. It goes on for almost a full minute, but it's always compelling. It's moving forward. It's building into something, right? That fucking solo people. Only Blackmore. And then Cozy Powell's runs at the end of back in. Breathe such power and momentum. It's amazing. That build towards the end of the solo. But then, you know, the antithesis of what Jason's saying here, it's like, I don't think it's a point of view of the slave. I think it's more a point of view of people tricked by a wizard. Because first it was like, I believe. And at the end, it's like, we believe. And the, the blood on the sand and all these people had to die. And everything is past tense. So, you know, was it far? You know, is it asking what happened, right? But why? How many died to see him fly? So it's almost like they're asking what could have possibly happened. Dio is fucking killing on this song. How, what a legend. How the fuck, honest to God, is he not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? 
Uh, I mean, if you didn't know this record and you don't like him, I get it. But it's without, you know, who's better? Who could do this? And believe me, don't take my word for it. Believe me, watch vocal coaches freak out about this tune because technically it's like, wow, listen to this guy. And this guy toured. One thing about Freddie Mercury, right? He Freddie Mercury toured for 10 years, right? Dio toured for 45 years. He dropped the key finally a, a half step in his last five years when he was in his mid-60s. This guy toured relentlessly and not like just America. You know, I sent out on our text the whole thing from Germany with this band, the 78 version of this band. Bob Daisley, who wrote all the great Ozzy Osbourne stuff. That band's killer, too. Uh, You know, Dio toured relentlessly from the end of the 60s until his death, really. I mean, he, uh, I think his last show, so I saw his last show in Boston, uh, a second to last show, excuse me. The last one was in Atlantic City. In Boston, uh, shit, was that May of 2000? Uh, kind of August of 2009, he died in May 2010. So he was touring up to like seven months before he died, you know, and that voice never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is for me, this is the document. It really is. It's like, I, you know, for me, it's untouchable. I would totally agree, Steve, because. If you have a song that's nine, eight, nine minutes, ten minutes, whatever, there are some songs that long that feel that long, and you just all right, that's enough of this. Yeah. And then this song is is that long, and it it goes by, and you're wanting for more in it, and that's to, to me that's a a real commentary on how good the songwriting is, how good the playing is, how good everything is, and that's why that's why Rainbow and you know Dio in particular and Richie Blackmore you know deserve a lot more kudos than they 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 get over the last uh, few decades yeah they really don't get what they deserve at all at all and listening to people you know really go nuts over singers that are like marginal i mean rihanna okay <laughs> fair enough he's no he's no miley cyrus right right no. miley cyrus is not a bad singer <laughs> hurt my partner's feelings when he's not here he's not here <laughs> to defend himself that was no, David, hey, that was for you we miss you well that version of jolene pretty good Mr. Hillman, what do you got on this? Well, I don't know how the fuck I follow all of this. You don't. Uh, I don't, but I'm going to try anyway. When that never stopped me before. Um, I I I was really proud of the notes I had about this uh, reminding me of Led Zeppelin's Cashmere and how the Munich yeah. Philharmonic Orchestra was used, and and I was really proud of that. Here's here's what I can add to this though. Not knowing this album, not knowing the song, I was telling my kids that I was going to do this this episode. I was like, hey, we just, somebody picks an album and we review it. Do you guys know Rainbow? And they're like, yeah. And I go, do you know Rising? And my 19-year-old son, who's an aspiring guitar player, just said, this was his reaction. He goes, oh, Stargazer. So <laughs> you know that it's it's reaching the kids. It's reaching the new generation uh, and totally past me. But I can see some of the same passion in, in him and in my other son, uh, appreciation for this band because of that song. Uh, on a smaller scale, but kind of like uh, like Donsis and, and Steve were were uh, lamenting too. And I love the visuals. I love the visuals, whether it's uh, ladies at a Disney parade with Cadillac strollers or you know slaves. <laughs> I, I I agree with both that it's um, 
it's uh, a view of a wizard, right? But then a view of slaves from a slave perspective. And then that realization of, oh, wait, there's more of us than there are of them, or they need me more than than I need them. And it's overcoming that adversity in the song. So I, I love a song with a good story. And uh, yeah, I, I now too, not to the same effect because I don't play guitar, but uh, somebody asks me about Rainbow in the future, I can have that same oh, Stargazer uh, reaction <laughs> to it. So uh, this, this song just itself was quite an education. I can only imagine, now I'm trying to find the record version of this too. Uh, I collect vinyl, I love it. And I believe this opens the second side of the it album. Does. So uh, I had the album when I was a kid. Yeah, and I couldn't stop well, looking at the sleeve and yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to enjoying that uh, as well um, because it just has that uh, that whole shine on you crazy diamond feel to it, right? As soon as the needle drops, you're in, and that eight and a half minutes goes by really quick. Um, but you just you you went through a whole uh, Disney parade episode, right, of the whole thing. So it was uh, it was quite a quite a song to listen to. Very enjoyable. Well, I feel it's got that that same sort of when you mentioned Zeppelin influences, like I feel like it takes you on a journey mm-hmm. in the same way. I know it's overplayed and, and people don't want to hear it, but Stairway to Heaven takes you on this kind of long journey through this thing. This mm-hmm. does it in a different way for me. You know, I think it was James Hetfield in one of these documentaries, like everybody didn't want to hear about flowers and drugs and girls. I wanted to hear about dark things and, mm-hmm. you know. This was is he crying in that one when he said that? <laughs> he, he wasn't with the therapist right then, but he's uh, right. He's right. This, this, uh, yeah, this is one of those songs that's like, you know, once you hear it, it's like, okay, you know, that's a, that's a very, that's a very focused, passionate song that's doing a thing. You know, it's its own entity. And again, if you like this one song, if you're listening to this and you're like, I love Stargazer. I implore you to go get Long Live Rock and Roll yeah. and give that a listen. Well worth your time. Yep. Well Real worth time. your time. A more complete record, to be honest, than this record, but it doesn't hit the high, the absolute high of this record. Yeah. Anyways. This is a Hall of Fame classic metal song. This belongs in, if there is a, you know, Mount Rushmore of classic metal, the song goes on there. It is epic. When you hear that main riff with the, the, I think the Munich Philharmonic Orchestra, which is perfect for this. It's not overproduced, but it fits in perfectly. I imagine Conan going off with his gang of thieves on a horse on a quest. Dun, 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 dun. Like that's that's that that's right in that's right in my mind. And then it had it comes all with the with the stereotypical fantasy images, but it works perfectly with the song, with what it's conveying, um, and it's just epic. Yeah, Jason, it's really good imagery that you're talking about. Like that John Milius, like 1982 yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger yep, the original Conan movie yeah. mm-hmm. is so, so underrated. Yep. If the, the the cinematography in that, that's really such a well-done movie. And it's just like this. You know, I stuck into like that when inspired. I was like that, that soundtrack feels like it's inspired by this song. There's similarities. Right, right, right. It's really good. So if you're going to have a Metal Hall of Fame for these these great, huge songs, I think you'd, you'd think about... Judas Priest, Victim of Changes. You think about this, you'd maybe think about Hallowed Be Thy Name or or yeah. um, The Number of the Beast. One of yeah. those two, you know, I don't know, something by Metallica. I'm not 100% sure. Enter I'd Sandman? Like, uh, I, see, <laughs> Enter Sandman's fine. There's nothing wrong with Enter Sandman, but I don't think it's long and epic. 
No, no, I was. You know what I mean? I don't think it's long and epic. I think Fade to Black is long and epic and had and scratches the same kind of itch. Mm -hmm. It's this very, um, very focused kind of serious song that not that Enter Sandman isn't serious, but it's that's a very pop crafted kind of song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I was I was absolutely being a dick. I was just saying (laughs) the most. (laughs) You're fine. But I, I think if you're thinking about the metal, the metal Hall of Fame of tunes, Jason's right. This is this is like the template, right? Oh. It really kind of is. I mean, you can talk about Black Sabbath very clearly. I fucking adore Black Sabbath. Yeah. Like a father loves a son. That said, <laughs> when you think about Black Sabbath, it doesn't sound like this. It really doesn't. This ushers in, this is like, for me, what ushers in what they call the uh, the British wave of heavy metal. Yes, absolutely. You know? There you go. That's that's, that's where I, when when what Dauntless is talking about. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a Def Leppard like that. I probably no. should, the first two records. But it ushers in more of like the Iron Maidens and that yeah. kind of thing. Is you get that kind of influence much more. Judas absolutely. Priest, that kind of thing. Um, and I think it's it falls in line with where Priest was at that time. If you like that 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 genre of music, I think. Yeah. The uh, R4 podcast did a review of Man of War. Oh, oh my god! I saw them live. Yeah. So like this, this like that would be an example of another Man of War is Conan, like a whole Conan movie. That's yeah, it's Man like the similar genre of like this big epic storytelling type metal. But the yeah. thing about Man of War, right? Is Man of War. In general, like I saw them live. It's like guar or any of that shit. It's not serious. Yeah. Right. right. It's yeah. done cheesy. It's, yeah, it's, it's done ton in cheek. And loud. This yeah. is not. This is not. And that's kind of the difference. I don't know if I'm articulating that well, but mm-hmm. the, the difference between those kind of bands and this is this is fucking Listen, real serious. Dio wasn't wearing a squirrel pelt around his waist, like the right. oiled <laughs> up like Man of War was. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Nope. Yeah, but that would be the equivalent. Like to me, that's the equivalent. Of, like everybody talks about. Like you had Pearl Jam, which is like your original, and then you would derive to different levels till you get to like Seven Mary Three and beyond. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what I think of. Like this was the original. Like yeah, you know, yeah. Dio brought the original, right? And then all these other bands are like various derivatives. And as you get a generation or two or three of people tweaking it, it becomes almost unrecognizable from the original, right? That's that's yeah, the beautiful absolutely. thing about that's the beautiful thing about Dio is that he was an original. He was a striking original. And the fact that he wanted to stay true to his original vision is what led him to not be in Rainbow. Uh, you know, so I think that's that's a very good summation of what's going on here. It's it's no it's, and Dauntless is right. If you think about like Van Halen, right? Van Halen did a thing and then they were copied by so many shitty bands. Yeah. They inspired so many shitty bands that have nothing to do with them, or most of them on or, Jason but, no, but that shit's serious. Like what they do is fucking True. very serious. Not gonna argue. It's the while it's party rock. Look, try and play fucking Mean Streets. Good mm. luck to you. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck playing that bass line. Uh, you know, like you can play it, but you better have chops. Like that shit's serious. You know, but the shit that came after, like Poison. And, you know, more of that kind of thing is a derivative of that 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 isn't as serious as that musically, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the Dio stuff here and Blackmore at the time, that's serious business. It really is. He is a, he's orchestrated this with a fucking full on the Munich Philharmonic. 
you know, yeah. in the background. And they didn't play this song live very much because it's fucking hard. I've seen Dio play it, you know, and again, the melted down in the middle of it. But, uh, you know, this is this is serious business. And I think there's a good amount of imagery in it. But the musicianship and I, and all of you have kind of mentioned this, the musicianship in this record is like crazy crazy good yeah i had i had that word musicianship noted like four times in in a six song album review so yeah it definitely wasn't lost on me for stargazer did anyone else hear the led zeppelin cashmere kind of correlation there middle it's that middle eastern we didn't talk about it but it's It's like the middle Middle eastern Eastern sean but i feel like cashmere just sits on that yeah like this has multiple different parts yep. and stops and stops and dynamics mm-hmm. and all these things that doesn't have it, it really that middle eastern stuff really shows up in the in the solo section the solo yeah, is exactly right? yeah. yeah you know yeah. And, and steve and i were texting about this a while back and like to me like it, you know it inspired a couple of the 80s metal guitarists like i, I quite frankly i think like in electric gypsy they get the middle eastern um part of that solo and that's very LA much guns. it's not a rip off of this but yeah la guns thank you tracy guns yeah, yeah. and it's you know th- we we saw some middle eastern flair pop up in a couple uh things in the 80s and you would think that this kind of inspired a bit of that yeah that's where you're getting that kind of feel is that that arabian scale that he's using yeah i think it's what b minor phrygian uh dominant i think it uh, i think I'm i play guitar like, and i don't even know what that means yeah yeah, all we right, just nerd. we just got it's, way nerdy. Yeah, all right, nerds. <laughs> all right, it's a, well, it's a mode. He's talking modes, guys. <laughs> Stupid music nerd in your modes. <laughs> anyways, he's, he's educated. <laughs> I am not. Right. Well, anyways, it's if you're looking at it's B, it's B minor frigid. Anyways, it's not the point. The point is, is it has B a feel awesome. for you, and that's why it has that feel for you, Sean. Is it's definitely written in that with that kind of yeah. feel in mind, especially the solo. You know, it's like it's like a caravan moving through the desert. You can feel that, you know, it deals like hot wind, that thing moving fast across the desert. You know, you can feel that in the solo. You definitely create immediate imagery. And this does that very much so. Very much so. I I don't know if any of you guys are Stranger Things fans, but uh, that whole tie in with Metallica and Master of Puppets in the last Mm -hmm. season of Stranger Things, this just brought all of that back. Right. And it's funny how it all ties together because, you know, this song or this album and this band informed Metallica later who informed the influence for uh, the Stranger Things crew. And then it all comes back full circle. So they were giant Dio fans. They were giant fans of the um, Metallica, specifically giant fans of the Uli John Roth version of the Scorpions. And Uli plays like this. He does like if you listen to in trance or taken by force or any of those records great records the, the mid 70s scorpions records if you don't know those you know and any of you have listened to this and think i have decent taste go get yourself a copy of in trance it'll blow your mind it really will uh the sales of Chiron, i think that's on uh is that on taken by force Mwah. I, I see Uli every time he comes to town. I think he's absolutely amazing. He's the only guy that does this kind of thing. Maybe Black Rose at one of one. Uli's kind of close to this, but that kind of feel is the same kind of thing that was going on with a couple of these bands, you know. So that brings us to uh, the, the end of the record, uh, which is a light in the black. 
me, I feel like this is a, like a jam that kind of evolved. But uh, why don't you? You went last last time, Jason. Why don't you uh, tell us what you think of this record, uh, this uh, yeah, song on the song? And I'll keep this one kind of concise too. Uh, man, I think it's like we talk about this record and these songs being a precursors to a lot of things. This feels to me like a precursor to like what speed metal became, like like the Anthraxes and the Armored Saints and stuff like that. It's got that foundational rhythm beat and stuff to it, and I dig it because I like those guys, and I th- think it's a good way to get a good a good way to end, end the record. But you know what? It's nobody can follow up on Stargazers, the problem, and that's what hurts this song is. You go from that to to this, even though it's a good song or it's a good song in its own own you know void of space or vacuum of space. Um, but it's a good track. It just gets overshadowed way too much by Stargazer. Yeah, I feel like they should have put Stargazer last. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah, that's the end of the quest. Right, uh, Sean Hillman. I, I knowing nothing about this song before, I felt like I was in the studio and just watching the singer and the band have a standoff. And it was a matter of who was going to give up first. And I loved it. I, I, if you told me they made up the lyrics while they were playing the song, I wouldn't be surprised one bit because it was just like Dio's just up there. Like, Oh, you think we're done? You know, uh, I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm coming back. Fuckers. We got four more verses. I'm thinking up right now. <laughs> I, I totally got that feel and I loved it. I loved the energy that it, that it ended on. And, and again, I, cannot say enough about musicianship and steve what you had said before about ronnie james dio and and his vocals this was the most i had been exposed to that before and this just solidified everything you said uh this song in particular but i i love the energy of this and this is just a band with one guy in the control room and you know it's like we don't care what time we're supposed to end we're just going to go until we don't feel like going anymore but uh, it was it was great. It was a great song. Great album and happy to be a part of this one. Dude, two songs, 18 minutes. But it doesn't feel like 18 minutes. No, it That's doesn't. the great thing. It doesn't. You're like, yep. oh, we're done already? Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. JD, Jason Dodgers. Yeah, I was going to say that the whole second side of the record is two songs. This is super high tempo. I, the, the biggest problem with this song, again, is the sequencing, as we brought up. So I totally agree. This should not have been the last song. Stargazer has to be the last song on this record. It would have made Don't Close Your Eyes better. It would have made this song better. Even if you just flip-flop those two, put this song after Don't Close Your Eyes and then put Stargazer last, would have just made a huge difference in how it flows. I do like the high-tempo rock. This, to me, sounds like a Zeppelin-ish, like a rock and roll type of like really fast-paced type of riff. Yep. Um, which I dig uh, a lot. I like the drum, the drum sound. So I, I criticize the drum sound on Don't Close Your Eyes. The drum sound on this track is really good. I love the drums on this track. Really pumps, really gets you going. The only critiques I have of this is there's a couple of spots. The first spot I noted, 241, sort of sounds like, like music that would be in a, like a Zelda game. Like I get a mm. video game tor- sort of vibe Fantasy, through sure. the keys. Yeah. And, You're talking uh, about Tony Carey's first uh, first solo here. The first that, one, that, yeah, that comes up at 241. I'm 
like I could see like if I'm playing like some sort of role playing game on a video game console that that would be the music playing. That music. Yeah, I noted that I didn't. I don't like the effect he's using at all, and uh, some kind yeah. of phaser or something. I Coming don't like that like part at all. Eight bit so. video game system or something. Right. Yeah, but then you get to like four oh nine, which I noted when when Blackmore kicks into the guitar solo. That's great. It's not as good as the uh, Lady Starstruck solo. But it's pretty good. That's a good solo. I think the main riff is overall good. Everything Sean said is right on. I, I, I like the jammy feel to it. I like the fast-paced rocker element. It. They need to put it in a different spot. Maybe change the effects out so it doesn't sound like it's in a video game. But all in all, it's a pretty good tune. Ian? I would agree with that uh, summation, really. Yes, and that that uh, particular part did also strike me as kind of like that 8-bit video game music as well i think that this song really serves as a kind of a good palate cleanser after stargazer really just to kind of finish it out on something a little more concise not that it's that much more concise but just a little more not as epic it's hard to say concise about a tune that's like eight and a half minutes though yeah yeah yeah. no i don't mean i i i I, I get what you're what you're saying is it's not it doesn't take you on the ride that the that stargazer does yeah, that's right. But it's yeah. still, it's got, there's five different parts in this song. Yeah. 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 There's five that. different unique parts. So, so Blackmore's solo for me is like incredibly epic. He inspired so many guitars I, I don't like that are just like very tinny and, you know, emotionless. <laughs> like, He's got all kinds of heart and emotion in his playing. He's just mm-hmm. so emotive, but so technically good and fast. And like, he, what can't he do? Yeah, what well, that's what I was just going to jump in and say. Like, as you go through this record, the solos are all different style. You got slides, yes. you got the yeah. old fashioned shredding. You got, I mean, he can, to what you just said, Steve, he can play in all these different styles, but immaculately, like, so good. Well, and, and and everyone sounds a little different in a way. If listen to the solo for Highway Star sometime and ask yourself yeah. if you've ever heard a guitar solo that sounds like that. I, I still have never heard one that sounds like that. His take on everything, he's clearly a guy that likes classical music. I mean, this is what they call neoclassical metal. Yeah. And he's the first guy to do this, really. But like he's the guy for this. Right. But Boy, that solo's good, you know. Uh, I love the the end of the tune with the the big build and the da 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 kind of thing, and Dio's like rising vocal mm-hmm. on the way out. I just think, uh, you know, this is a record that takes you on a journey. Some parts of it, not not great. Other parts of it are just so transcendentally good that really do take you somewhere. And yep. I feel like this is one of those records that everybody should own and have an experience with, whether you like it or you or you don't, or you know you you find it or you don't. I feel like there's lots of there's something in here for everybody, and I think this is one of those records you measure other stuff against. Absolutely. You know, when you're like, okay, is this good? I don't know. I well, think it's kind of like this record, but not as good as Rising. It's I like a history book, Steve. Like you're reading yeah. about what came before, so you know, understand what's going on now. Like if you're a big fan of hard rock and metal in the 80s, this record is really good to listen to because you can hear where a lot of, you know, a lot of ideas came from. 
I, I right. had that exact I had that exact uh, revelation because not having heard this and knowing a good portion of stuff from the 80s, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe not all good stuff, but I was like, oh, that's okay. where it came from. So, you know, it was it was uh, definitely it hit it home for me. The set the foundation for another decade of music. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, OK, I get uh, these guys, you know, maybe they don't talk about Rainbow a lot in, in interviews. Or maybe they did. And I just oh. didn't read the right ones. But it's like, I, I see what they were listening to. I get it now. No, Rainbow in in um, America wasn't an arena band until uh, the last iteration with Joe Lynn Turner. Although they did headline, I think. Um, was it the Monsters of Rock? Whatever that whatever it was called in England, the one that was at uh, Nebworth for a while, and then became the Monsters of Rock. They they headlined it in 1980. I want to say I think that was Powell's last show uh, before Bobby Rondinelli came in. But in America, they were basically in a, uh, a theater act. Mm-hmm. I know they toured theaters for this record. You can find I think it's on it's either Spotify or Apple Music. Obviously, those are the only two. But like. Every show from 76 is on it or used to be on it. Wow. Um, but it's basically the same show, though. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah, it's like having every every rush bootleg. So what? Just own one. Own the, the same, good one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not like whatever the best. Own, yeah. Own the, own the good one. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a band that that hugely influential, gigantically influential band, but didn't achieve the success. I think they they probably should have. You know, and I feel like, you know, two guys that are overlooked in, in the history of music, Richie Blackmore and Ronnie Dio, they really are. You know, they they just really are because people don't take it seriously. They don't take the and it's nothing against you. Ian. I, and I understand you don't connect with some of the medieval imagery and all that, but they don't take the sword and sorcery That's stuff true. seriously instead of the just the technique, the emotion and Jesus, the raw, the raw talent. The, yeah. the straight raw talent of of that guy and the virtuoso guitar playing. That's what yeah. I ultimately had to do with when listening to this was just separate myself from the the lyrical themes and focus more so on that musicianship and how great they were individually and together. And that was yeah. ultimately how I was able to enjoy it. I also do want to point out that I feel it is very ironic that Ronnie James Dio wanted to do so much with this kind of imagery and Richie Blackmore was against it essentially. And now he does Blackmore's night, which is like Renaissance yeah. music to me, you know, Renaissance <laughs> fair tunes. Get him, get him. It, it is ironic. It's like Christians against Christ, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I stole that from Sam Kinison, by the way, anyways, it's right. not the point. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's ironic because that's where he ended up going. And, yeah. you know, Blackmore, unfortunately is, is kind of a joke now. You know, it's really a shame. And he shouldn't be. He mm-hmm. really, really shouldn't be. He is never brought up in that best best guitar players category. And he's better than so many of those guys. So many. Um, so, yeah, I think you end these things, right, with uh, uh, giving this a grade. Is this a five-point scale? Yes, that's correct. Five-point scale, one being the high. Uh, sorry, five being the best, one being the worst. Yes, sir. Let's go to J.D. Jason Dodges. All right, so I've uh, kind of given my criteria for how I rate records in the what's past. A, what's a five for you? What's your What's your five? A five for me is a record that I'm I'm carrying. I'm I'm gonna download the majority of that record to my phone. I'm gonna give up my storage space for it so that I can listen to it whenever I want. 
And so in this case, with this record of the six songs, there are three that I added to my list that I put in my regular rotation. I download it on my phone. So if I'm sitting on an airplane or I have no signal, I can still jam it. Um, those three songs for me are Starstruck, there's Stargazer, and they're uh, A Light in the Black that I will. So the entire second side, basically, right, with Starstruck. So uh, that alone pushes it to a three, three and a half for me because I like more than half of the music that's on here. Totally new experience for me. I'm appreciative of it. This opened some some doors to me to investigate some more of Richie Blackmore type stuff. If I were to lean towards key staple members that we've talked about with Dio and his vocal and his imagery and everything versus Blackmore and his riffs and his guitar work and his solos, I'm going to lean Blackmore and go more on a deep purple dive and kind of try to see where he was. I understand his trajectory isn't going to end in as good of a place, but um, okay. I, I really liked what he brought to this. I liked the guitar work. This is so far over the top from an imagery standpoint. It's not anything I'm used to. Uh, Cozy Powell, the drum work on this is amazing. Yeah, all in all, so, it's an enjoyable experience, Steve, for sure. I so three that. and a half for Jason Donches, and I would advise you if you're going down the Deep Purple route, pick up In Rock. Thank me later. Child in time, baby. You're going to love that. All right, let's go to uh, the man in the middle of the mountain. Sean Hillman. So I, to give you a basis of what a five is for me, we're talking Beatles, Revolver, Southern Harmony, uh, Led Zeppelin too. That's, that's, so you get an idea where I'm coming from. Yep. I would, this was fun. Like I said, not knowing the band, not knowing this album before this assignment. Uh, this was great because I think, you know, I'm going to listen back and, and Steve, I'm sure you're going to give me dozens of suggestions of stuff to get into. This made me excited to get into some stuff that I that I hadn't before. Like Deep Purple, but not really well informed about Blackmore, about Dio, about any of these guys. Anyway, I digress. Despite Do You Close Your Eyes being on the album, I still give this a three and a half. You take that off, and I could I could see it being a four for me. That one really kind of brought it down a notch. Um, but I was excited about it. I'm, I, I could see some of these songs going into my rotation as well. Donsis and I are very uh, similar in that way. So I, I go with a three and a half on this. Thank you. All right. Jason Johannes. Steve, I'm going to say you missed a great opportunity when you said we're going to go to the man in the mountain. You should have said the man on the silver mountain. Come on, Steve. It was right there. The man is on the silver mountain. Sean is in is some kind in, of pseudo, like, you know, I, 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 he's shooting you know, down balloons coming to get me bunker. He's shooting yeah, down balloons. Yep. You know, but you know, he's not I, on I, the silver mountain. He's at the bottom of the silver. That's mountain. where I Ooh. thought you were going. And I was going to be so sure. proud of you. I'm like, great deal reference. And it didn't happen. Anyways, I am a sword and sorcery nerd. I'm also a metal nerd, even though I co-host a blues and Southern rock podcast. This is my genre, nerd rock, nerd metal. If I was going to go on a 10-point scale. This is eight and a half because it's a five-point scale. We're doing four and a quarter. It is a classic Hall of Fame uh, record. It has so many great influences for stuff that came after it. Dio is one of the top, if not the best, in hard rock heavy metal. Richie Blackmore slays. He, but uh, he loses a, a half a point because Ingve Malmsteen, I think, you know, came from Richie Blackmore a little bit with the, the classical stuff, even though Ingwe Malmsteen 
never meant um, a note as fast as he can. He never liked, but no, th- this is just a hall of fame record. Again, it's that w- the one dark spot is, uh, you know, do you close your eyes, but whatever I can overlook that stargazer rules four and a quarter, four and a quarter. And you are holding Ingve Malmsteen. You're holding Richie Blackmore responsible for that, that for him. It's interesting. It's interesting, Jason. All right. And we are over to the usual master of ceremonies, Ian. Yes. I, um, I kind of toyed back and forth with this. I think this record comes in at a four for me because, you know, uh, lyrical themes and the difficulties I have with them aside, uh, you just can't deny the musicianship on this one. And, and the, the good points far outweigh the bad points. And, uh, you know, I was, I don't want to say forced, but, you know, I listened to this record because we were doing this episode, but this is something I will continue to listen to on my own and actually dig deeper into it. So a record that can make me do that gets a high ranking for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to come in with a four, a four, a lot higher. We've, we've, you've been making fun of me for Dio for a long time. I was expecting you to kind of not like this record. So that actually, uh, I think it's kind of great. I mean, it's not as, it's not as good as dig out your soul, man, but you know, (laughs) I knew he was going to get, I knew he was going to get it in there. Dio's voice in rock is to your voice and podcasting. It's like butter. Mm. Smooth talker. You're right. You took it right off that shitty Oasis record. So uh, (laughs) when David first talked to me about about being in the the album club and was like, and he pitched it as far as like, we want to like, you know, listen to records that everybody else in the club might not know and kind of take a fresh look at them and, and talk about them and kind of expose people like all kinds of people across the community we talk to to records they might not normally know. Uh, that like totally solidified what I wanted to pick here. Mm. I think for me, this is like a crazy influential record. Obviously, I've spoken enough about how much it means to me. That said, it definitely has flaws without question. I, I think Do You Close Your Eyes is, is uh, as I said, a frivolous tune. And I've got some problems with Run With The Wolf, too. But for me, this is like the I think you said this really in a, in a great way, Johannes, that the highs are so high and they outweigh all the lows for me. And uh, like I put this at a, at a four seven five for me, though I will account for a good amount of bias in that. But that said, uh, this has been a staple of my life for literally 40 years. And I love this record. And I hope some of you out there listening to this, pick it up, give it a listen, and maybe then like some more Blackmore stuff or more Dio stuff. And that's kind of why we're all doing this is to, and I'm not trying to turn you off from Oasis people. Listen to Oasis records, just not that shitty one. Um, I, Damn it! All, you know, now I'm stepping in here to, <laughs> because See, you were my in. favorite on that on that episode. I, of, I, you're amazing. You're my hero. I snuck it in. So I, I think that you know what we're trying to do here is spread the love of music uh, to the whole community and different kinds of music you might not be familiar with. So like I was between this. Long Live Rock and Roll, Black Sabbath's Mob Rules, and Miles Davis Kind of Blue, to tell you where I'm coming from. So, like, it could have been a a whole bunch of different things, but, you know, and I might get to one of those records later, and it might be something completely different. But um, I feel like it's a good opportunity for for us to spread the, the religion of music to all people, because if you really get down to what we're doing here and what we're talking about, it's the vibration of a string that moves people and gives people emotion. And that really 
if you don't like lyrics about magic, I don't know what to say, man. Mm-hmm. That's magic. That's straight mm-hmm. magic. It just is. So I, do, I just before we leave, I do want to point out that it was me that said about the highs far outweigh the lows. Jason was the I one that man. said Richie Blackmore was responsible for Yingve Malstein. So just you know, <laughs> right, right. That's right. That's the way it happened. But it's it's not the point that Ian deserves the credit. Uh, <laughs> if you like music and you like hard rock at all, you're robbing yourself if you haven't heard Stargazer. You just are. That's Absolutely. as epic a tune as there is. And believe me, take take a half an hour and watch the vocal coaches shit their pants over it. You know. Yeah. And I know, Jason, you were like the two things are Powell and I, I. I don't. I don't know, man. How you don't mention Ronnie Dio? Like the the power and majesty and just of Ronnie Dio on this record is like. Ugh. It's so good. It's what Dio elevated started. every every project he's on, though. Well, right. So he suffers from being too important. Is he like Tom Brady? I like him better than Tom Brady. Well, I get it, but like <laughs> he's too good that you take him for granted. That's what I'm getting yeah, at. Hundred percent. You know, and that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame, which is a bunch of bullshit. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is bullshit. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does not like metal, famously. <laughs> Famously does not like metal. So <laughs> you've been talking to Eddie Trunk, haven't you? I have. No, it's just the, it's just the <laughs> truth. Why would it take twelve years for Black Sabbath to get in? No, no, I absolutely agree. And they left out Dio with mm. Black Sabbath. Yeah. Iron Maiden's on the bill this year on the vote list. How are they not already in? Well, right, they're the biggest band in the world right now. Yeah. Right now, they mm. tour stadiums all yeah. over the world all the right world. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now. You know what? Next time I'm picking a, a, a Maiden record. Oh, right. God. Oh. Invite me back. Setting the stage for the future. Well, uh, yep. Steve, I appreciate you taking over the reins on this one. This is a great record, and I, uh, I'm i thankful to all you gentlemen for joining us. Now, Steve, you know we typically uh, pick a little playout song on these things. I'm going to let you, since you were the master of ceremonies on this one, decide what we're playing out with. What do you got, my friend? It really has to be Stargazer, doesn't it? Absolutely. I was hoping you'd say that. So let's add another yes, nine minutes to this podcast and play out. <laughs> nine good minutes, though. Great. In the heat exactly. and rain with whips and chains. That's and see right. your advisor for how many mythology credits you get after listening to this song. Or- yes. <laughs> so I want to thank all you guys for joining us and doing this. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And we will see you next time. Hot the shrottle and hootle the bootle. Gives a clue, Tom. We'd like to do something for you from Rainbow Rising this time. That's our second LP in case it hasn't been released here yet. Shows you who the wizard is. And the wizard builds towers to take him to stars and to the sky. And it's called Stargazer, this one. (laughs) 